we're in the middle of a series called Wounded Faith, where we're looking at instances where people in the Bible may have had faith, but faith was wounded. And there's some things in our life where, where, where we have faith, but it gets wounded, and we need a little push to sometimes get over the hump. You know, we believe for something, but we need a little help achieving that something. One of the things that, that can wound our faith is hypocrisy. Not just hypocrisy, but how that can lead to disillusionment. You know, there's a, something that happens. Weird stuff happens to me. I'm sorry, it just does. But uh, a few nights ago, um, I heard this, this, like it was about 11, maybe midnight, and I was laying in bed, and I heard on my front door just, not like a knock, but like, like an urgent, an urgent knock. Boom, boom, boom. And my wife sat up in bed. She's like, honey, go get it. I'm like. <laughs> but I'm still a little confused. I'm just, I'm just like, okay, what's going on? And then. So I run up to the front door. And as, as I'm doing it, I'm just like kind of in a daze, like, what is going on? And I said, honey, get my shotgun. She's like, you don't have one. I'm like, right. I'm just ready, you know? I'm ready. I don't know what's going to happen. <clears throat> so uh, I get to the front door, and I hear it again. And I'm kind of looking at it, and now I have this conundrum. I'm like, like teeter-tottering. Do I assume he's a bad guy and call police, or do I assume this is somebody that needs help and be helpful to them? So I... Uh, I just decided to shout through the window. I said, what do you need? And the guy says, I just need a push. I'm like, what are you saying? Lane said, he needs a push. Like his car broke down or something. He needs a push. I said, okay. So I get my flashlight. So I'll be right out. And I get my, my shoes on. I thought, I, I can push. I can push. I can push. And so I get my, my shoes and I get my flashlight out. And I come out and he's, there's nobody. Now I'm a little worried. So I'm looking down, and I'm like looking over this way. I don't see anything. I look over this way. I don't see any cars. And I said, are you out here? And then in the stillness of the night, kind of in the back, my backyard, I said, I'm over here. I heard, I heard the noise. I'm over here. And I'm like, what? And I turned and I looked, and there he was on my kid's swing. And he says, I need a push. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. None of that was true. I just had you going. <laughs> None of that was true. But what if it had been? What if that was true? If that was true, even if that story was true, would that give me any excuse to not ever be willing to help someone? No. Why would I let that instance ruin my perception of everybody? Or, or... I just had you going on a joke that you all thought was real. Does that give you, like, like, is there anything reasonable with you now never believing a word that I say? Is that even reasonable? I mean, maybe if I'm telling some kind of, kind of funny story, you, you're going to keep your, your guard up. But the fact that I just told a funny, goofy story doesn't make the rest of my talk up here a lie. Right? Instances does not change reality. 
instances do not change reality. Even though sometimes those instances feel like the biggest things in the world, the loudest things in our mind. Instances don't change reality. Bad instances don't change reality. And, and someone who was a hypocrite should not change my relationship with Jesus any more than me finding a counterfeit $20 bill should change my relationship with buying something at a grocery. It's a counterfeit. If you have a counterfeit bill, you go, oh, that was a counterfeit bill. You don't say, oh, curse be all money. <laughs> you don't do that. Curse be all, all, every dollar. You know, some people, when we think about this idea of hypocrisy, some people say, uh, I, I don't want to go to church, there's a bunch of hypocrites there. Those people, I just want to say, we still have a few seats in this house and we think you'd fit right in. <laughs> you know, there's some truth to it, right? There's some truth to it. Because Christians are people who are forgiven. Anybody forgiven? Christians are people who are forgiven. And if you've been forgiven, then it implies, it stands to reason, that there was something that we did or were that was wrong, that was bad. And in, in, in uh, Romans Paul talks about this battle between two natures. We have a sinful nature that still once in a while goes, hey there, hi, we got to stomp it down. But because of that sinful nature that still pops up, that means all Christians, everybody, at some point or another, is going to fall short. All of us are going to live a moment of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is you believe one thing and do another. I believe that my life should be in alignment fully with Jesus Christ and his teachings but my life is not always in alignment with Jesus Christ and his teachings. Sometimes my sinful nature pops up and I have to squash it and put my life and say, no, I will do this. So the idea that hypocrisy itself wounds faith, I find a little difficult. I think, like, like when hypocrisy wounds faith, when, when your faith gets wounded, Long term, I don't think it's really hypocrisy. You see, you see like, like people may say, this, this county is filled with people. Probably not people that are in this room. Maybe some that are in this room. But this county is filled with people who won't come, won't have anything to do with church because their godly grandma let them down. Or, you know, they used to be, they used to be a part of a church, but that elder let them down. Or that pastor let them down. We're all going to let you down. We're all going to let you down. That's just how faith works. That's how Christianity works. We're, we're all going to let you down. So how is it that hypocrisy can wound faith? Hypocrisy wounds faith when we look to those people for something that we can only get from God. I'm not wounded because a pastor let me down. I'm wounded because how could God let that guy be a pastor? I feel like God let me down. Really, at the root of it, when people give an explanation of, or an excuse of another's bad behavior affecting their faith, see, see that was just what Satan used. But the real offense is with God. 
It's not that a person was a counterfeit. It's not that a person was a hypocrite. It's that we feel God was a hypocrite. I think there's a lot of people, really. I mean, you wouldn't say the words, but we feel like God is the hypocrite. Believes one thing, does another. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Yeah, well, why can't I get a job? He has plans to prosper you. Why am I in debt? Plans to give you hope. Why do I feel hopeless? God blesses marriages. Then why am I widowed? God says, go be fruitful and multiply. Then why did my kid die? Is God a hypocrite here? Sometimes it appears that way. But it's, it's just as it seems. If you ever feel like God may be the hypocrite, that what God believes, what God says, uh, doesn't align up with your reality. Like, what is going on? Why does God allow his people to fail? Why does God allow a pastor like that to pastor? Why does, why does God allow evil? Why does God allow tragedy and suffering? Anybody ever wondered this? I have a theological answer. You ready? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I know that I'm not the first person to think like this. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 shows us our, our, like what we can see. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then... We shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then, when Jesus comes back, when we're in the presence of God, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. There are some things in this life that we will never have an answer for in this life. So if you wanted me to totally remove all of that fog for you, what that creates, when you wonder, why does God allow this evil to, to exist? Why is there suffering that exists? God, what kind of hypocrite are you? Whenever you're feeling that, it creates a fog of disillusionment. And I'm sorry, I can't remove that fog for you. I can't, I can't, I don't know. I don't know why God would allow that. But there's a few things I do know. See, it's like, um, I have a friend, he has an interesting hobby. He, he flies an airplane. And he's taught me just, just a little bit about airplanes. Uh, when you're coming in for a landing, um, you have to transition between using the... The, the, like the controls, and you transition, and you have to look at the air. You have to look. You you land a smaller aircraft with your eyes, and so you transition from these facts to these facts. And when that happens, and there's a fog out, or it's raining really bad, it can be very disorienting. Because when you're in an airplane, piloting an airplane, you're not even sure if you're coming in like this or not. Sometimes. And so you have to have visual to the horizon and line your, air, your wings up with the horizon. But what happens if you can't see the horizon? They have to trust something else. And my friend told me, told me how he had to land with deep, great fog. And all he could do was con he follow the... He couldn't see anything. And he was just trying to make his way through the, through the fog, and he knew from the controls he was on track. And uh, every, every runway in America has uh, an approach lighting system. You've seen the lights. And before those lights ever occur, there's strobes. 
They just... And he sees the little flashes through the fog. And he sees that there's a big long line of them. And he knows, okay, this, this is what I know. I can see that. I know that this is right. I don't know how, up I, how high up I am. I don't know how low I am. But I know that I'm on the right track because I see flashes. And then when he gets up close enough, there's a thing called a decision bar. A decision bar is several lights that are flashing, or not flashing, but they stay on solid, and they make a line, which gives the pilot reference. If they were coming in like this, they see the decision bar, and they know, oh, that's straight. And they can straighten up. And all along, there's little flashes. You're on the, you're on the track. You're on the track. You're on track. I can't clear the fog of why God would allow evil. I can't clear the fog of why some terrible thing happened to you. What I can do is shine a light. I can show you a few lights. This is what God does. God is faithfully shining lights. God is faithfully strobing so we know where we need to go. And I want to provide for you today, for your uh, consideration, five light points. This is the way. I, don't, I can't clear the fog, but this is the line. Here's the first point of light. Number one, you can, if you're taking notes, you can write it down. Number one, God is not the creator of evil. That's the first light point. If there's evil, suffering, terrible things in your life, God, God didn't create it. It's not in his nature. See, in Genesis, when God made everything, we see God's nature. He made everything, and what do you say? It is good. It was good. He didn't create something and then say, well, that's mostly good. He created it and said, that was good. That was good. But because God is love, he wanted to create us in such a way uh, that it was true love. You see, see, for there to be true love, there has to be a decision involved. I heard of a, of a doll, you've heard those, you've seen the toys, you pull a string, like Woody on Toy Story, you pull the string, and they, and they say something with their voice box. There was this doll, you pull the string, and it says, I love you. <laughs> Did that doll love the child? No. It was just programmed to say, I love you. God could have made a bunch of people that were programmed to love him, but would that be actual love? Nope. True love requires a decision, requires a choice. So God created the potential for evil entering the world only because that was the only way for him to create true love. He couldn't create true love unless he created potential for evil. And that's exactly what happened. Humans abused that free will by rejecting God. That started with Adam and Eve. It's like... like I get to use kids' stuff because that's, that's what I have around my house. See, when God made us, he, he made us to be one with him together. And he said, this is how it's going to work. He's the creator. He gets to do that. And it was mankind that rejected God and created a gap. That gap in between is is sin. This is our separation from God. The penalty for this now is that we are spiritually dead. Like we are spiritually dead because we're not 
united with, with God. And so there's a gap between them. That human choice created the sinful gap which opened up potential for evil. It, it brought evil into the world. There's two types of evil. There's, there's moral evil. This is the evil that occurs when we choose to be selfish, hateful, uncaring. If your house is broken into or if your spouse cheats on you, that can't be blamed on God any more than an evil hand that fires a gun. Like, 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 like you wouldn't shoot a gun and say, God, why'd you do that? It's in, it's in this hand. So when there's, there's moral evils when somebody does something evil, it's because of sin in the world. That's the kind of evil that we often think about, but there's also natural evil. This is evil that occurs naturally. Wildfires, earthquakes, hurricanes, natural physical death that causes pain and hurt and suffering. Genesis 3.18 says that, that when God cursed the earth because of sin, thorns came out of the earth. Thorns and thistles are a product of sin. It's a, here's a quote. I think Lee Strobel said this. When we humans told God to shove off, he partially honored our request. So like when we humans told God to shove off, he partially honored our request. Nature began to revolt. The earth was cursed. Genetic breakdown and disease began. Pain and death became a part of the human experience. So you may say, if God knew that all that evil was going to happen when he made us, didn't he foresee it? God foresaw the evil, sure. Why did he do it anyway? Before I ever had kids, I foresaw the great likelihood that they, were, they would skin their knees. I foresaw the great likelihood I'm, that, that they would be hurt. I foresaw, I, I still foresee the great likelihood that somebody, at least once, is probably going to break my daughter's heart. but I had kids anyway. I had kids anyway. Of course I, I foresaw the, the hurt that it could happen, the suffering that they could go through. But the love that I could show them and the love they could show others far outweighed that. Far outweighed it. Having a relationship with them was worth it anyway. And having a relationship with his children was worth it to God to make us Anyway, here's the, here's the second beam of light, the second little strobe light. God can use evil to accomplish good. Number one, God is not the creator of evil. Number two, God can use evil to accomplish good. He didn't create it, but he can cause good to come from it. Romans 8.28 says this, and we know. Do we have that one? Romans 8.28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to its purpose. God can cause good to emerge from the evil. And you may say, not, not my situation though, Adam. Like, you don't understand just how bad my situation is. Come on. Let, let, let me one-up you. I'll see that and I'll raise it. The worst thing that could possibly happen, deicide, a God was killed. Jesus was murdered. Can anybody top, top that? It's the worst thing that could happen. And out of that, 
God caused something good to come from it. The great, out of the worst thing that ever happened, deicide, killing of God, the greatest act of all of the universe, the resurrection of Jesus, salvation of mankind. The great, out of the worst thing, the greatest thing occurred. God can cause something good to come out of the evil. There's no limit to this. Truly, there's no limit to this. Isaiah 55, 9 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I'm not an astrophysicist, but I read just enough to be able to say this. The distance... So imagine that I get on a rocket ship and I go to Pluto. That's, that's the edge of the solar system. I go to Pluto and back 400 times. So that's like one, two, three. 400 times is one light year. That's one light year. Astrophysicists think that the edge of all the universe is 15.5 billion light years away. 15, say 15.5 billion. 15.5 billion light years away is the edge of the universe, astrophysicists think. Could be further than that. And according to that scripture, this is the distance between my thoughts and his thoughts. Let me read it again, Isaiah 55, 9. As the heavens are higher than the earth, 15.5 billion light years, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Here's my thought, or I'm sorry, I'm quoting. This is Mark Batterson in The Circle Maker. Here, his quote, I just love it. Here's my thought. Your best thought on your best day falls 15.5 billion light years short of how great and how good God really is. Even in the most, the most brilliant among us, under, uh, sorry, even the most brilliant among us underestimate God by 15.5 billion light years. God is able to do 15.5 billion light years beyond what you can ask or imagine. One thing I think about is, when I, when I think about this idea, is how, you know, we have different perspectives. My wife is uh, short. She's also not in the room. <laughs> She's serving right now. My wife is on the short side, and she has this issue when she's driving. She can't see the edge of the car. I'm tall. So... When I go in for a parking spot, she gets nervous. Like there's a, you know, there's a car here, a car here. I'm trying to park between them. I just go in. And I watch her. Every time I do a little turn right there, she goes. I'm like, honey. I just look at her. I'm like, honey, just because you can't see the edge of the car doesn't mean I can't see the edge of the car. I know we're fine. But she, see, she can't see it. Remember that next time... God turns the 90 degrees on you. And you go, oh, what's happening, God? Just because you can't see the edge doesn't mean he doesn't know what's going on. He's not going to hit anything. He's got you. Here's number three, the third beam of light. 
the third strobe light. You stay on track here, and you're going to land. I'm going to help you through the fog. I can't remove the fog, but I'm going to help you through the fog. Number three, the day is coming when God will end all evil. Revelation 21.4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. So if God can eliminate all evil, why doesn't he? Anyone ever wondered that? Why, why doesn't he? Just, just hold your horses. I remember when I, was, when I was younger, I would be watching some show, and it was time to go do, you know, it was pretty soon, you know, I needed to leave pretty soon, and my dad would kind of watch it. And then right when it got really good, right when, right when, like, Megatron was about to do something, it was like, Ooh. all everything that, that I've been watching was coming to a to culmination. My dad would say, all right, time to go. And I'd say, oh, no, come on, dad. And he'd laugh, and he'd let me watch another five minutes, so we had to turn off. <laughs> but I think some of us do that. There's some kind of problem going on in our life, and we say, we say, oh, no, oh, why does it end like this? Read the rest of the book. You don't watch half the movie, turn it off, and say, see, bad directing. Let it play out. The book isn't finished. God will end evil. So what's holding them up? God will end evil. What's holding him up? Maybe, just maybe, it's you. What's holding him up? Maybe you. The Bible says in 1 Peter, can we put the 1 Peter one up, please? Or 2 Peter, I'm not sure, whichever one. Do we have it? 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow. He's not taking his time. He's not holding back. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you. Read it with me. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. What's holding God up? Just maybe you. He could come now and judge us, or he can give you another minute to surrender. He can give you another minute to repent. He can give us another chance to receive him and put our life under under his full control. Here's the fourth light. Present suffering pales in comparison to the Christian's future glory. Present suffering pales in comparison to the Christian's future glory. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says this. For our light and momentary troubles. I love how Paul starts that. It's our light and momentary troubles. You know what Paul went through? Flogged for Jesus, imprisoned for Jesus, imprisoned for Jesus again, imprisoned, happened a few times, shipwrecked for Jesus, rejected for Jesus. Paul went through it, and he starts, he says, you know, these light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Present suffering pales in comparison to the Christian's future glory. 
Paul says it again in Romans 8, 18. I consider that our present sufferings, everybody say present sufferings, are not only, are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. It's like this. Imagine you had a terrible day last Monday. I mean an awful day. Doctor says you've got cancer. You get an F on the report. The boss gives you a terrible review. You just have a terrible day on Monday. It is just the, one of the worst days of your life. And then on Tuesday, Time Magazine calls you and says that you're going to be the t- person of the year. <laughs> Wednesday, you win the lottery and you get $100 million. Thursday, you have your first healthy child and you become a parent. Friday, your doctor says that you're in excellent health and all the cancer has gone. And Saturday, you begin an eight-month vacation in Tahiti. At the end of that, if I come up to you and say, hey, how was your year? What would you say? Say, I I had a great year. I had an eight-month vacation in Tahiti. I became a parent. My cancer's gone. And I'd say, but what about, didn't you have a really bad day? And you'd laugh, barely remembering it. Present suffering pales in comparison to the Christian's future glory. There's a story of a, of a child as an infant. He was dropped and he, he fell on stairs and it shattered his spine. And he was 17 years old and there was a man that talked with him and said, you think God's fair? And he goes, oh yeah, God's fair. And that, that kid explained how he spent 13 of his 17 years in a hospital room. And the man said, how how can you call that fair? And the 17-year-old said, God has all of eternity to make it up to me. Your life may stink, but listen, God has all of eternity to make it up to you. Present suffering pales in comparison to the Christian's future glory. Here's the fifth light. Stay on track on these strobe lights and you can land. Here's number five, bit of truth. We decide whether to turn bitter or to turn to God. We decide whether to turn bitter or if we're going to turn to God. John 16, 33, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. Turn to the person next to you and say, peace. Peace. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Turn to the person next to you and say, trouble. It's promised. You will have trouble. In this world, as long as we're separated, you're going to have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. You will have trouble. This world will give you trouble, but be courageous, Jesus says. I've conquered it all. I've conquered all of it. And I love this because when we're feeling like we're in the fog, when we're disillusioned, God, why are you doing this? What kind of hypocrite are you? You promised good. Why this? When we're in the fog, I can't lift the fog, but I can strobe you. I can can provide strobe lights to help you land. God provides everything we need. In this passage, can you put it back up, please? Uh, John, yep. 
in this passage, we're promised peace to deal with our present and courage, take heart, courage to deal with our future. We can get through the fog because of Jesus. He provides us peace for our present and courage for our future. Through his own suffering and death, he has deprived this world of its ultimate power over you. Suffering doesn't have the last word anymore. Death doesn't have the last word over you anymore. If you surrender, by definition of surrendering, you don't have the last word over you anymore. God has the last word. See, Jesus came on the cross and it bridged everything. Him dying on the cross bridged everything and made a way for us to surrender to him. You get to pick whether you stay bitter or look to Jesus for peace and courage. Peace for your now, courage for your future. When you do that through Jesus, when you turn your life over to Jesus, you can be one with him. You can have a relationship with him. Would you stand with me? If you've not made that decision to trust Jesus, you need to. You're you're going through some hard times and you're going through it alone. Oh, a Christian does not need to live that way. Christian never needs to be alone. We have our Lord. I want to pray for anyone who uh, realizes that they're not embracing Jesus in the midst of their hard time and they want to say yes to Jesus. If you want to say yes to Jesus, either online or in the unity hall or in this room, would you just raise your hand? Lord, we want to say yes to you. We admit that we're a sinner. We, We know we're separated from you. And it's only through you that we can find true peace. So Lord, we surrender our whole life to you. We say yes to you and your cause. So we depend on you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's sing this song as we reflect on putting our whole hearts onto the Lord. Lord, we depend on you and trust you and glorify your name.